Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Kieran, there's a breeze. The nation celebrates as the heat gets moved about by a little waft of air. It's lovely. What a country we live in, Kieran, eh? Yeah, it's... Well, I managed to miss it because I've been in New York for the last couple of days. And... When, when I was uh, when I was telling my class that it was you know, it was a record uh, temperature. First of all, I had to convert it into Fahrenheit for them, and there were a load of kids there from Texas, and they're going, "Oh, that that's spring, as far as we're concerned." So, so what are you whining about? <laughs> I'm I'm kind of with Texas for once. I'm with Tex. I hope he was called Tex, was he? <laughs> he's wearing a big Stetson, and so his, his surname was Ewing. All right. Um, I think we should point out to our listeners we, we're in slightly different places you're in a hotel room in, in Liverpool which might account for the, you sounding like you're actually on Mars there's a sort of three second delay which a uh, guy might have to work out um, and also I'm not in my usual place because it's, it's coming up to that time Kieran when Ali will be decamping to Edinburgh a week today which means that the house is full of techies of various shapes and sizes all with giant boots all carrying mysterious bits of tools and, and kit around and pausing for cider. Uh, so I've been chucked out of the office, which turns out <laughs> Kieran, was ne- was never my office. I've just discovered it's always been oh. a it's always been a workroom come story space. Uh, the, the, my desk in the corner is not the office because it's not my name on the loan. So there you are. So the good news is that if Ali defaults, it won't be me. No, but I'm in a different part of the building. You're in a different part of the world. So I, th- I think <laughs> with our grasp of technology, Kieran, we might be all right. <laughs> Just about. <laughs> um, it's Newsday, Kieran. There's some big news stories. And uh, for once, we're going to end with some lifestyle stories. Well, it's about time that we, we, we took this in a hallow direction. Um, and, of course, we have a big news story for our patrons, one of whom, by the look of it, uh, seems to be Boy George's brother. But we'll come to that in a moment. <laughs> Um, the big news story, Liverpool, and um, for enough, we, we talked about this just last week almost accidentally, uh, but Liverpool have agreed an extension of their shirt sponsorship deal with Standard Chartered Bank for quite some time, and it's worth quite a lot of money. Yes, uh, Liverpool, I think it's fair to say Liverpool are an incredibly sexy brand at present yeah. uh, in terms of the style of football. Uh, the Jurgen Klopp is uh, is a major asset for them. He's extended his contract. Um, they're very popular in Asia. Um, so that put them in a very strong negotiating position with regards to uh, trying to extract further funds from Standard Chartered, who you know, are based in, in Asia. And it looks as if the deal is uh, £200 million over four years, plus some potential bonuses if they deliver on trophies. Um, so that's that's a 25% increase uh, as far as the, the previous deal is concerned. And if you think that uh, Manchester United, by all accounts, have, uh, have managed to get uh, almost as much from their current deal uh, in terms of team viewer compared to Chevrolet, uh, I think it it does show that um, once again Ed Woodward's famous comment that you don't need to win football matches to be commercially successful 
um, isn't necessarily true because Liverpool are delivering in terms of trophies and they are extracting additional money. And Manchester United are, are not progressing at the same rate as before. Uh, by all accounts, Liverpool did speak to blockchain and crypto potential sponsors. Now, that could have been to try to shake Standard Chartered for a few more quid. We don't know. Um, there was certainly caution uh, from the likes of Spirit of Shankly, who uh, you know, are very much protective of the, the fan perspective in relation to mm. Liverpool, but they've not gone down that route. And it's, you know, I think it's always good if you've got a good working relationship with somebody to carry that on. And, and this, uh, this relationship with Standard Charter, I think it'll be 17 years at the end of this deal. So it, it does appear that uh, mut- there's mutual benefits for, for both parties. Also, Kieran, I presume with the, the volatility of crypto, blockchain, whatever, most of those companies are not in a position to offer that much money over that length of time, are they? Um, I'm not. I'm not so certain because Chelsea uh, apparently have signed a deal with uh, Whalefin for their arm sleeve sponsor, which is worth mm-hmm. twenty million. Manchester United and Manchester City both have crypto-based uh, training shirt deals, which have come through. Manchester United signed theirs last season. City have just signed theirs for this season. Um, and, and these are all eight-figure deals. Yeah, they, you know, they're, they're in the 20, 10 to £20 million pound bracket. But I think they tend to be, as, as you said, sort of, yeah, they tend to be a bit short-term. They're normally a sort of a two-year deal. Um, by, by committing to four years, it does allow Liverpool to budget with a, a degree of certainty, and their owners, FSG, are very on the money when it comes to to, to budgets and forecasts. So uh, they, they will like it from a certainty perspective. And in, in terms of the bonuses you talked about, Kieran, so if Liverpool were to win the Champions League next year, that means Standard Chartered shelling out another couple of million for that, presumably? Yes, because it allows Standard Chartered to do some advertising ne- next to the jug, and and, yeah. and that's that's great, you know. And the, you know, especially if Liverpool go on tour uh, in in that part of the globe, and they'll be able to bring the Champions League trophy with them, and uh, the the commercial partners will be able to to uh, you know smile and uh, grasp the trophy and, and do all the things which you'd, you'd want to do. Yeah, you know, this 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 these are the dreams that you know even sponsors do like that part of, of the game uh, in terms of associating themselves with success and they, and they have to pay for the privilege. Yeah, yeah. People will be having a photograph next to a trophy, Kieran. I'm not necessarily sure the insurance company will allow the trophy <laughs> to be paraded around the Far East while people have photographs of it. Uh, still on Merseyside, Everton made a goodwill gesture of more than half a million pounds over the Bramley Moor project. Yes. Um I think this is uh, Everton being quite reasonable here, quite generous. Um, the Everton and uh, Liverpool Council um, have been in discussions over a period of time. Um, clearly, there are potential benefits for both parties in respect of moving to Bramley Moor. Um, but it looks as if initially... Uh, Everton said they would contribute towards the council's costs if the council assisted Everton in terms of providing some of the funding for the stadium. Subsequently, 
for whatever reasons, we, we don't we don't know the, the full details. Subsequently, uh, the council didn't deliver in terms of funding. Now, it, it could be that they seen sorry, it's too risky. It could be that the the interest rates they were quoting Everton were too high. We don't know the full details. Um, and uh, there, there has been some investigation up here by the Echo, who has, by all accounts, Liverpool Echo, who have managed to access um, some emails uh, between senior people. And those emails appeared to indicate, well, there was no obligation on Everton to, to pay any money, um, given that the council didn't deliver on their side of, of the deal. But uh, the, I think it looks like the council's costs were £841,000, which you know, even, yeah, we, 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 we jest about our, our silver tongue friends, but that, that's, that's a yeah, couple of weeks' work at least. Um, and uh, therefore, the, the council was on the hook. Uh, but Everton have agreed to pay £502,000. Um, I think there has been some form of investigation which doesn't necessarily reflect particularly well on the council. There has been accusations of a failure of governance, and yeah, we are quite keen on governance within the game. Um, local government is is another area. If anybody ever reads Rotten Boroughs in Private Eye, uh, it is quite alarming, the lack of governance in central government. I'm, I'm not saying uh, that has been the case here in Liverpool. Um, but uh, they've not necessarily come out of this with uh, reputation glowing. So Everton have chipped in, and given the financial straits that Everton are presently occupying, it's quite a generous offer. Mm. It does. I, I do read Private Eye, Kieran, but I'm ashamed to say if there's not a cartoon in it, I don't read it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the print just seems a bit smaller in Rotten Borough somehow. I just, I've got enough to worry about, Kieran, about governance of the council in Dorset, to be perfectly honest. Um, you mentioned fans groups earlier, Kieran, the Spirit of Shankly, a wonderful Liverpool fan group. Uh, a Brentford fan group have been influential in stopping an increase on some ticket prices uh, at uh, for under-17s. Yes, and you know, we, we've spoken before uh, about Brentford being um, one of the pioneers of the, the golden share relationship between yeah. football clubs and a fan base um and we and we've spoken to to Brentford and you know that that relationship works quite well because it, it does provide a a structured dialogue uh between parties and and you know we, we all know as fans that sometimes when you know when I get a bee in my bonnet about something perhaps I say things which uh you know we, on retrospect I, I could I could have uh, I could have communicated in a more measured way. Um, so this is the uh, this is uh, I think I think it's called Bias or Bisa the the, the uh, Brentford Independent Association of Supporters or something like that, um, and they do have these regular meetings with uh, the club, and one of the issues uh, has been in relation to ticket prices going forwards, and and certainly if you look at some other clubs in London, um, and, and I'm looking at you here, Fulham, by the way, uh, yeah. in terms of some of the outrageous prices which they're proposing to to charge for uh, for fans on on a match ticket basis, um, that uh, Brentford have listened um, and they they have reduced the prices uh, for for younger fans because you know, where where, do, where if you're between you know the ages of ten and seventeen, where, where do you get your money from? You, you you're relying on pocket money. Yes, you might have a part time job, but yeah, the chances are, yeah, you know, I remember when I when I had a part time job, but 
you know, that, that meant a lot of the time I couldn't go to the football. So it, it was it was you know counterproductive. Yeah. Um, to be, to a be lot fair, of the time. Kieran, your your part time job was with a local gangster, so it's slightly different. It it, it was it, it wasn't a gangster. He was he was a money collector. And, oh, know, okay, was, yeah, with menaces, yeah. A money collector with menaces, which is slightly different. But uh, yeah, if, if you paid him, he, he he was very friendly. Oh yeah, if you paid him, yeah, yeah. Which is uh, it's, 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 it's no different to to uh, yeah the VAT man. If you, if you if I pay the VAT man and, and with a smile uh, and the right amounts on the right dates, it's not a problem. So I'm going to just I'm going to take issue with that, yeah, Kieran, because I've had occasional run-ins with the VAT people in the past, and in none of the letters that they sent me. Was there a threat to break my kneecaps if I didn't start paying? <laughs> to be perfectly honest, um, so, uh, Fulham obviously are not far from Brentford. I think, believe Fulham are the first hundred pound match day ticket we were talking about. Is that right? Uh, it, it looks like that. I mean, you know, they will say it, it's Liverpool that they are hosting. It's yeah. uh, it, it's a small number of tickets, and um, they've got. Alexander Mitrovic's brand new contract that he signed last August to, to fund somehow, um, but you know it, this this does appear to be a, a strange uh, decision made at Fulham because you know Shahid Khan is uh, is independently wealthy of the club. He has put a huge amount of money in. Nobody's denying that. I think he's still talking about buying Wembley Stadium at some point, but uh, mm. I, I suspect the FA will push back on that. But it, in in terms of how to make friends and influence people, it's it's a pretty crass way to go about things. Because oh, I, I normally talk to people about what we refer to as marginal revenue. How much extra money are you going to get from charging a hundred quid compared to sixty five? Because remember, these are match day tickets as opposed yeah. to season tickets. And it's not going to be a huge amount, um, but it is generating um, a lot of uh, ill will from the Fulham fan base towards the club um, at a time when they, they've just been promoted. And you think that everybody would be you know, salivating at the prospect of uh, a new Premier League season. So hats off to Brentford then, because they, they really wouldn't have raised much money by increasing ticket prices by a fiver for under 17s. But the fact that they've decided to reverse that decision in uh, after discussion with the fans reflects well on the club and the fans, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and I think it's a sign of a yeah a progressive board who have a good relationship and ha- have listened. Yeah, you know, and, and we've given them praise before because they've decided not to renew the home shirt this season. They like say, yeah, football shirts should last you two seasons. So, um, yeah, we 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 all get suckered in by the cosmetic differences from kits from season to season. Um, and then you've got the pester power from kids to, uh, yeah, not, it's not just the one kit, it's not just the two. Sometimes you, you, you've got all of the, especially if the elite clubs are concerned, they're changing all three kits. Um, so so fair play to Brentford uh, for, for both of these actions. Yeah, I, I have to say I love the new Palace kit. You remember, for men of a certain age, you remember rhubarb and custard? Not the food, the cartoon. Do. You remember the cartoon with the, the wobbly lines? That's what our new kit is like. It's, it's great. I'm just trying to persuade the club to play the theme tune for Rhubarb and Custard when they come out on the first day. <laughs> Robin and Glad all over. Now, Kieran, you and I are football fans, um, and we talk a lot on the pod about the cost of being a football fan. Uh, for the away fans on the first day of the EFL season, are going to be spending a lot more money to get to their games because... 
the country is going to be uh, stopped by rail strikes again. Uh, yes, it is, and this is sort of a yeah, football fans here are the the, the indirect victims of, a, of an industrial dispute, and, and you know, yeah. it's not it's not for us to uh, take sides on the issue, but um, it looks as if uh, I think thirty three games yeah. uh, in the EFL, yeah, which is kicking off, and it, it's going to coincide with the strike. Um, Going to matches by train is is a fantastic experience, mm. you know, because you 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 see those faces that you've not seen for three months, especially on that first day of the season. And you know, and, and let's it's fine. We're, we're we're at an age now where where we check that all of the faces are still there uh, because you know we're 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 not necessarily in the greatest of health. Um, and it's that you know who's opening the first can, and then you get the card score going, and then you start having that chat, and and then. You know, songs songs may be sung, and it, and it's a wonderful experience, especially especially if it's done in the right humour. Um, and uh, that's not going to be taking place. We we've got uh, uh, we yeah, we've got increased fuel prices as an alternative, and I, and I and I know the prime minister is is keen to to move to imperial measures, uh, you know, as, as a sign of taking back control. So, given that petrol is now nine pounds a gallon uh you know that that makes it a very expensive to to use uh cars and also it's not particularly uh, efficient from a from an environmental point of view um so yeah a, a lot of fans are going to have to go and fork out extra and then you've got you know who's who's going to be the poor sod who's who gets volunteered to drive the car to that first match of the season when everybody else wants to get tanked up um yeah there might be coaches available. There might be a few more coaches available, but um, it, it's, it's never quite the same on a coach as it is uh, on the train, in my experience. Yeah, it always seems a bit middle class on the coach, I have to say. So I remember it's the sort of thing that supporters club members do is get the coach. Um, I got around there. I, I never get chosen to be the designated driver because I uh, decided not to learn to drive. I had the foresight at an early age to realise that was a problem. Also, I love the... Yeah, I, I hear what you say, Kieran, about that first away game of the season on the train, but normally about halfway through you realise, ah, oh, there's a reason why I haven't seen some of these people for three months. Um, <laughs> yes. I, I suppose one consolation for fans who might not be able to get to away games on the first day of the season is that live streaming of matches is currently a big topic for debate amongst EFL clubs. Yes, I think this is a, this is a, a really intriguing topic and uh our friend andy holt um has been on social media uh, i think it's fair to say he's 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 not happy with the decision which has been made um and as far as efl clubs are concerned uh, a vote's been made and i think this is this is really impacts upon clubs in league 1 and 2 because they get very little money we talk about the greed of the premier league or some people talk about the greed of the Premier League in respect yeah. of the distribution of TV money, but don't think it's all we're all in it together in the EFL because the clubs in the Championship take eighty percent of the total value of the deal. Wow. If it's in League One, it's twelve percent, and in League Two, it's eight percent. So the clubs in the Championship are getting ten times the amount of money That's as wow. the clubs in League Two. Yeah. Um, so, so those clubs in the low league, they're, they're not making much money from the the regular TV deal. 
Um, and what has happened is that you know, one of the one of the features that we saw uh, during lockdown was iFollow, and you know, we said at the time initially the quality of what you were seeing was pretty ropey. Um, yeah. But fair play to all of the parties involved, and you, you've got to give credit to the broadcasters, to the clubs, to the EFL. They, they've all made an attempt to to address that. And, and you know, from what I hear from people that use iFollow, um, it, it is it is working a lot better. So for people not familiar with with how it works, is you pay te- you you pay ten pounds for a match pass, and that allows you to stream to your device you know, we don't necessarily consume it on television and, and you can effectively watch the match live um the the deal or the proposal that's been agreed is now that the club that sells the tickets or sells the passes appears to be the one which is going to be keeping the money and this means that some clubs in League One are bigger than others. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And you know, for clubs who would normally bring a lot of fans um, to to an away game, will all of those fans still go? We're not certain about that. But if those fans then choose to uh, buy the match using a pass, they're going to buy it from Bolton instead of Accrington if the match is taking place at Accrington's ground. And I think this forms the basis of Andy Holt's concerns, and yeah. I, I think that has merit. I think that the there it, it's it's not within the wit of man to come to some form of profit share arrangement, which doesn't accentuate the differences between rich and poor. And, and I do think that there's um, yeah, there, this is certainly something that the clubs higher up the food chain are monitoring as well, um, and. You know, one of the reasons potentially why the Todd Bowley group um, have acquired Chelsea for what appears to be too high a price, um, if you look at sort of any standard valuation metrics, is they see the value of streaming and they know that if they can sell direct to Chelsea's fan base, they can generate a lot of money. Now, Chelsea already make a lot more money than the likes of Brighton or Palace or, or, the, or the other, you know, we we know where we are in the food chain, but if that then goes into the Premier League as well and into the Championship, um, it's really going to amplify the gaps between the haves and the have-nots. And here, I think yeah, perhaps a little bit of caution should be taken place because um, Bolton and Portsmouth and clubs like that, who are very keen to keep all of the money themselves, they are big fish in a League One pond they're not necessarily would be the same big fish when they get promoted to the championship. Mm. So you've got to be, you've got to be a little bit careful about what, what you wish for here. So uh, streaming, st- streaming is as an alternative to traditional broadcasting. I think there's a case for saying, you know, perhaps the clubs in league one and two, would they be better off trying to sign a, a, you know, a, a, a an overall broadcasting deal? Um, independently of the championship. And I know that has been discussed uh, you know, am- amongst club owners and amongst executives. But we, uh, we are moving in changing times uh, in terms of the way that we consume broadcasting. And this proposal, streaming, yeah, it, it, it makes sense. You could also argue it cuts out the middleman. 
uh, in the sense that you're not having to go via a traditional broadcaster. Um, and that's why it, it's not really taking place in the championship because they already get most of the money from Sky. But I think uh, if, if it's going to be the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, that takes away some of that romance, which we legacy fans genuinely feel is part of the fabric of the game. So forgive me, Kieran, if if um, Accrington, if there's a League One game that's actually one of the few that Sky show on TV, does the streaming still happen if if it's live as part of the broadcasting? No, no, no. I mean, it, it, there would be. Uh, I, I think Sky, ha- under the terms of the deal, they they are allowed to have a blackout in respect of those matches. Right. So you'd have to watch those uh, via Sky. But if, if if you think about it, if you've got a Sky subscription, you've already effectively paid for the match. So so why pay for a uh, yeah. why pay for a streaming pass? And also the other thing with streaming is that you, you tend to get the match about ninety seconds after. Uh, you know, it's been shown live on TV because of because of the nature of the streaming. So um, I, I think those particular matches would be excluded. And that's why it's less of an issue in the championship, because the vast majority of the matches which are shown under the EFL's TV deal with Sky tend to be championship matches because... You know, there are bigger teams in in that division, and yeah. clearly the, the 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 race to get into the Premier League is is something which is quite seductive from a from a broadcaster's perspective as well. So the next time we hear a Championship club owner moaning about the unfair distribution of money in the game, we need to remind them that they are taking eighty percent of this streaming deal as opposed to eight percent for League Two clubs, which is not good, is it? Um, under the headline "Delayed Closure of Stable Door." we learn that Wembley Stadium is getting a £3 million security revamp to repeat, prevent a repeat of the chaos at the Euro final. Um, yes. Uh, I, I think I think you've described it very succinctly. Um, but I, if, we, if we go back to what happened last year, I knew what was going to happen in advance. Yeah, so you I. knew what was going to happen yeah. in advance because we, we had a chat ourselves after we'd recorded one of the podcasts yeah when England got to the final um and therefore you've, you've got to ask if, if we know it's going to take place and, and we're just two old geezers why are the why were the oath authorities so poorly prepared so I think under the, the these proposals it is going to be more difficult uh for people to to break through the barriers um I think there's going to be better training of staff but I'll be, I'll be honest you know, if I'm on minimum wage, um, oh, right. I'm, I'm not going to put up too much of a. Really? Uh, I'm not going to put up too much resistance against a couple of uh, you know, coked up idiots who are, are trying to make my life difficult and trying to break through a uh, trying to break through a, a door, which uh, you know I'm, I'm supposedly there to defend. So well, um, I, th- I think the FA has to take responsibility here. Um, you've got to ask why why was the reaction in terms of security so poor. Um, it, it's something which appears to be airbrushed out of history, uh, simply because we had a full return to fans last season, and uh, you know, there, there was quite quite a lot of indignation when England had to to pay, play uh, some games under restricted circumstances following uh, you know, what happened at the final last year. Yeah, and if if you read the full report into what happened as well, the the police were warning the FA 
that from about quarter past ten in the morning that crowds were building and that most of them didn't look like people who had tickets. So this was a situation that no one comes out with, with any credit. And like you say, they, they should really have predicted that was going to happen. But, yeah, that's easy for us to say, and hopefully it won't happen again. And also we saw last week as well, Kieran, that the, the French authorities finally admitting that they made everything up about uh, the Champions League final, which is good news for the uh, Liverpool fans who are still under somewhat of a cloud because of the disgraceful accusations made by the French police and French uh, local government. Yeah, it, 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 I mean, that was a classic case of, uh, you know, if, if, if somebody's got a reputation, they, they, they become a convenient excuse and a convenient target. Um, and, uh, you know, what, what's happened in respect of Liverpool fans before, we, we, we saw the accusations made at Hillsborough, which were a, a pack of lies, from uh, both the, you know, the the police authorities, the government at the time was quite happy to to jump in, and the uh, yeah, and and the newspaper. We, I'm, I'm sitting here in Liverpool. I, I, won't, I won't even give it the credibility of naming it, um, yeah. purely to, uh, to to reinforce prejudice, and that prejudice still exists, um, and, and that's one of the the tragedies of modern football. Is crotch discomfort hurting your game? Fear no more. The kings of crotch comfort, Manscaped, have spent two years designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. Sleek, soft, comfortable, flexible. The brand new Boxers 2.0 from Manscaped take your little fellas to the royal ball throne. We think it's time you invest in your family jewels. So let your bulge breathe and get 20% off and free shipping with the code Price of football at manscaped.com. That's price of football in big letters for your little fellas at manscaped.com. Absolutely. And the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 is the best electric trimmer for below the waist grooming. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce those grooming accidents that none of us want. Thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. And it's got a 400k LED spotlight for a more precise shave, so you can check what you're cutting. And we know for a fact that James Bond manscapes. So if you want to join the governor, get 20% off and free shipping with the code PRICEOFOOTBALL at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PRICEOFOOTBALL. Up your crotch game. Because once the boxes 2.0 touch your sack, you will never go back. This episode of The Price of Football is brought to you by the AI-powered workspace Notion. What if you had access to tomorrow's tools today? In Notion, you do. It's the AI-powered workspace where any team can turn ideas into action. My career is sort of a bit like being a butterfly, and I'm always jumping from project to project. So therefore, Notion helps me from summarising meetings notes and automatically generating action items to getting answers to any question in seconds. If you can think it, you can make it. And Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company or a freelance football finance lecturer. 
You can try Notion for free when you go to Notion.com slash Price of Football. That's all lowercase letters, Notion.com slash Price of Football, and start turning ideas into action. That's Notion.com slash Price of Football. Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insights, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. Yeah, now, our next story is an interesting one, Kieran. There's an investigation into wage fixing amongst freelancers like camera operators who work for the big sports broadcasters. And I, I have to say, having or knowing quite a few of them, uh, North Face and Timberland don't come cheap. So camera crew <laughs> have got to get their money from somewhere, is what I'm saying. They do. Um, and... What we have, I mean, I think this is more of a this is more of a price of broadcasting rather than a price of football issue because it's not just uh, applying to those camera crews that are working on in football matches themselves, but um, the, the the broadcasters effectively outsource uh, an awful lot of responsibility in terms of what happens on match day. They they don't formally employ. Uh, camera crews themselves, they they encourage the the individuals to set themselves up as limited companies, or alternatively to become freelancers and register on that basis with HMRC. Um, I, I think the the discomfort here is that the the power is very much in the hands of the broadcasters. And uh, whilst there's no explicit evidence that they are working in concert, um, it does appear to be that there is a going rate and everybody sticks to it, um, which uh, yeah, could be could be accusations of, of some form of cartel. So, yeah, th- this is a story that, that we, we did spot because, you know, we, well, you and I both know uh, camera crews in, in various forms of uh, you know, quite a few of them pop up in my garden. For example, um, and, and the Baroness makes them cups of tea and uh, and marmite and cheese loaf, of course. Um, of course. So, so you do get talking to them, and uh, it appears to be a grumble that they they've not had pay rises for a significant amount of time. Although I, I don't think that they're alone in that in terms of people that work in the media. Yeah, that's true. The, the problem for sports broadcasters is that there's, there's more sport than camera crew, to be perfectly honest. Especially if you look at the last day of the season when Sky are covering every game, basically they've got a camera everywhere. There aren't that many uh, proper old-school camera operators left, which is why you get a lot of youngsters who are given, basically, cameras that are fancy mobile phones, essentially, which really annoys the, the ones who have been through the proper training. Um but it's 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 a strange system because there's a, there's like a couple of big agents whose job solely is to supply a camera crew for 
for for football games. And of course, the, the five or six really experienced camera operators are the ones that are first are first on the rank. Uh, tend to get all the big difficult games. It's it's a it's a very interesting world. This is a story. I think we need to, to invite somebody on to, to have a look at this in some detail, Kieran, to be honest. Mm. Um, we've got our big news style, uh, news style, news, uh, uh, style news stories coming up. But before that, uh, Shakhtar Donetsk are seeking 50 million euros worth of damages for FIFA over lost transfer fees. Yes. And, and the reason for this is that FIFA said to players that uh, because of the invasion of Ukraine by Putin and the uh, destruction that has subsequently taken place, clearly football is, is not taking place, uh, FIFA has effectively said to individual players, you can, you can rip up your contracts, you can walk away from the clubs. Yeah. Um, but from the club's point of view, the, these players are, are valuable inventory. So in, in the case of Shakhtar Donetsk, they say, well, hold on. Yeah, we acknowledge that we can't play football because we've got, uh, you know, we've got a lunatic re- regime uh, destroying our country. Um, at the same time, we've lost out on, on an individual basis as a club. And, and Shakhtar Donetsk, yeah, there are they're, they're regular features in, uh, in the Champions League and, and other UEFA competitions. And it's cost them a lot of money to build up their squad. Um, and the players have been able to walk away for nothing. So, you know, from the club's point of view, we, we've had we we've paid fees to 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 train these players. We've paid fees to buy the players in the first place, and and now we're the people who are being screwed over as yeah. a result of this FIFA decision. Um, FIFA is a wealthy organisation, as we know. Um, it it did drag its heels in relation to uh, to banning Ru- uh, Russia from competition, uh, but eventually it did get round to doing the right thing. Although, uh, whenever you see pictures of Infantino and Putin historically, they all, they, they all seem to be smiling at each other. Um, so, um, you know, where do we go from here? It, it's it's going to be a slow and laborious process. Uh, if 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 it does go to court, then uh, yeah, we, we know who the winners are going to be, and it's going to be neither FIFA nor Shakhtar Donetsk, uh, and it's going to be a very long and drawn-out process. So you, know, you would hope that FIFA would take into consideration what's happened and perhaps set aside some monies, uh, and perhaps UEFA should be doing this as well, um, in, in respect of the, uh, the complications which have arisen in UEFA following the invasion. Yeah, uh, to be fair to Infantino, Kieran, I think if I was unlucky enough to ever meet Putin, I'd probably smile uh, for the length <laughs> of the time I was in the room until such time as I could get out of it. I'm amazed, Kieran, when, when this story first happened, when we realised that UEFA had said to these Ukrainian players that they could tear up their contracts and, and move to other clubs, which is the right decision to make, I, I, I assumed, I think, along with everybody else, that there would be a suitable amount of compensation involved to Shakhtar Donetsk. Because, as you say, UEFA are a very wealthy organisation, and it, it seems obvious that this would financially impact on them as a club. Wouldn't it? Yes, yeah, and, and there's yeah the, the cost of the the restoration costs in respect of Ukraine are going to run into. You know, tens if not hundreds of billions of pounds um and football is a 
we've always said football is a small industry with a big voice, but football is also a unifying and a uniting force. And, you know, we're all hoping the sooner that this uh, invasion ends, the, the better for all concerned. But one thing that people will be able to rally around, and you know, if, if you talk to anybody, you know, I remember, uh, you know, my uncle Tommy, who, who was a very good footballer. He was he was a bit older than my old man. And he was a big football fan, um, and he said, "Yeah, after the war, at least we had football to go back to." And and it was, yeah, I think we got a, a bit of a nostalgic uh, viewpoint, being baby boomers, me and you, in terms of uh, the war ended and everybody was happy. It was it was horrible. Yeah, you know, I. I I remember talking to my old man. My old man was, uh, you know, he, he was uh, he was evacuated out of London, and he he was all, he was effectively traded between people, uh, you know, during the Second World War when when he was apart from his own family. It was horrendous. Some of the stories you used to hear, and and the post war said, but football was one thing which at least gave people something to rally around in what was really t- hard times. And this is going to be exactly the same as far as Ukraine is concerned. Um, and if and if the if the clubs themselves are in danger of going out of business because they've not got any players and they've got no, no finance, then that's going to be another negative, and it's going to make what's going to be a hard and slow slog even more painful. Yeah, uh, this is a. a a turn I didn't think this pod would ever take here, but my dad, God rest him, had was evacuated twice, one of which he loved and one of which was a horrible experience. But um, it, football wasn't his saviour. He seemed to get over the war by getting off with half the women in Carl Shorten during the 50s. That seemed to be dad's way of <laughs> dealing with things. He was... he was. <laughs> I can say that now, both him and my mother have gone. This is before he was married, of course, but it, it, it does seem to have got quite a swathe through the... Uh, the Teddy Gale population of South West London. Um, Kieran, we deal with the serious stories on this pod, but every now and again, there comes a story so, so deep, so dark, that you feel that you should perhaps be getting Robert Peston in to, to do with it rather than <laughs> lightweight like me. And this one is, <laughs> I, this is my favourite story of the year. Uh, an FC Halifax player <laughs> as a, uh, downed boots, up sticks, and, and got into Love Island to fulfil what he says is a lifelong ambition. I, I, I imagine, Kieran, he won't be getting paid by the club for the duration of his time in, in, in the, whatever they call it, the villa or whatever. Yes, yeah, and it's not, not the villa in Birmingham either, so yeah. No, um, not that villa, no, not the villa, not the villa. The Love Island villa, I don't know what they call it, I don't watch it. Right. My, my Love yeah, Island uh, days are long gone. I think it's fair to say a fairly sniffy tweet from FC Halifax <laughs> on both their Facebook page and uh, uh, and Twitter to say that uh, he he's gone. He he decided that he's going to prioritise uh, flame and fortune. Um, and and the matter will be dealt with upon his return, um, whatever that will. Be. I think he's twenty seven. So, which which I suspect is quite old by Love Island standards. I I I, I you know, hands up. I have no idea what what it's involved. Uh, the Baroness watches it, and she's on various WhatsApp groups talking to people about it. And then I will be looking at a spreadsheet in the same room, and she will just say, "Well, have you just heard what Bethany said to George about Romeo?" And I said, "And I and, I, and I'm not and I'm not trying to be elitist here. 
I, I don't know and I don't care because I'm, I'm not the target demographic. Um, I have to say, Ed, Ed, Ed watches it, my son, the uh, left-wing firebrand comedian. He watches it purely, he says, for sociological reasons. Uh, but I can tell you, if this player is 27, I guarantee his nickname will be Grandad from the minute he gets in. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yes. I mean, what, what does what does the club do here? Kay? I mean, clearly, they, will they keep paying him? What is it? What is away? Um, probably not. But remember, he, he's yeah. If he's non-league uh, FC Halifax, he, he won't necessarily be a full-time employee. Yeah. He could have a part-time contract, um, and certainly from what I know about people working in social media, uh, is that. Everybody that goes on to Love Island, and this isn't the price of Love Island, um, you know, whilst I think the people watching it tend to believe it's quite spontaneous, they've already signed up with talent, well, not talent agencies, but they they already signed up with social media organisations and they will have signed contracts to promote clothing brands and other lifestyle products. Um, and it is very lucrative. So, um, you know, uh, he he will potentially earn a lot more money from this, especially if he's in there for a, a long period of time. So you, you can see why, from his perspective, from both a a, a social experiment point of view, um, but a financial one, he could certainly fill his boots from uh, switching from football to ITV two. Oh, I'm, I'm not sure filling his boots is the right expression in the circumstances, Kieran. He can't be out there that long because it's nearly finished, I, I, I believe. But just no matter how much money he wins, just imagine the stick he's going to get back in that dressing room. I mean, really, it's, <laughs> it's a long way from Love Island to away at Port Vale on a Wednesday. He's going to get some stick. Um, finally, Kieran, on lifestyle stories, news emerging that details of Chris Kirchner's lifestyle that may explain why he didn't have the money to buy Derby in the end. He seems to have got through an awful lot of money on things like helicopters and shark hunts for a man who's not been paying the wages of his company for quite some time. Yes, uh, this this is a really good article in Forbes uh, magazine who have been talking to, uh, I think, executives, talking to employees, talking to people who have been impacted by Chris Kirchner. Um, and I, d- I don't know if how many people will have watched. There's a fantastic documentary on Sky uh, about Alan Stanford. I think it's you know, the man who bought cricket. Even if you're not interested in cricket, watch it. You know, in terms of this is how to pull the wool over people's eyes. Yeah, it, helicopter... Yeah. Loads of five pound notes in in big stacks, uh, being charming and persuasive, um, and and Alan Stanford effectively conned the whole of uh, cricket, and it looks as if Chris Kirchner has uh, not only uh, conned uh, the EFL Quantum R a a proportion of uh, the Derby fan base at the time, though I think I think if you, if, if you talk to Derby fans, it is very much we dodged a bullet in respect of Chris Kirchner, but also some fairly senior financial institutions who bought into his company. Um, one of the one of the accusations uh, in the, in the Forbes report was that, that Chris Kirchner said that revenues in 2021 were 30 million pounds. Upon further investigation, it was closer to one million 
Yeah. Um, and it looks as if he was preparing financial returns rather than the people in the finance department. And if that, this is the case, um, it, you know, there is there's a conflict of interest uh, in terms of some of this. So, uh, yeah, it, 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 he's not coming out of this particularly well. Um, I, I think you, you've got to give credit to, uh, and this is somebody, I'll be honest, somebody who I've been critical of historically, um, Peter Ridsdale at Preston, who uh, they had discussions with Chris Kirchner, and, and yeah, we, we, we got a call from uh, Peter Ridsdale and said, we just didn't think they had the money, and that's why, yeah. you know, as far as we were concerned, we 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 didn't want anything more to do with him. Um, and then all of a sudden, he came back to Derby. So um, it, it does look is uh, as if as uh, as if Derby County are in are in safer, and people might say, well, perhaps we're in boring hands. But but sometimes it, it's better to be dealing with somebody who's a bit quieter, uh, a bit more measured than somebody who is is glamorous and, and is promising to solve all the problems by by spending money that they don't have. Yeah, I think sensible rather than lunatic. I think most Derby fans would go for that, Kieran. Um, it's a timely way to end the pod, Kieran, because it's just minutes before England kick off against Spain in the quarterfinal uh, of the Euros. Uh, unfortunately, you and I will both miss it because we inadvertently agreed to guest on somebody else's podcast, because that's the sort of givers that we are, Kieran. Uh, uh, good luck to uh, the Lionesses tonight. It's been splendid so far. Uh, thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page, including Colin Francis, David Hartrick, uh, good old Harch, uh, Paul Stedman, uh, Kevin O'Dowd. Now, I, I do. Do you think that might be George, boy George's George. brother? Well, no, Kevin, George O'Dowd is no, no, Kevin, no, George O'Dowd is boy George. Kevin O'Dowd is his brother, yeah, right. who I know. Oh wow! So I'll just, I just, I, I, I would put that on the poster. Boy, boy George's brother listens to this, but if it's not boy George's brother, thank you anyway. Also, Dan Oxen, Ben Adams, Mark Loveday, and Chris Todd. If you'd like to make a small monthly contribution to the pod, please go to patreoncom that's drawing attention to the mistake, isn't it, Kieran? Blah, 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 blah. Please go to patreon.com slash price of football. The reason I'm nervous, Kieran, is because I've got news. I've got news for the patrons. We've been promising it for weeks. If you are one of our Patreon subscribers and you're paying £3 or £5 a month, you should have received a message from us this week about how you can subscribe to the ad three version of the pod. That's right. I don't know how the finances work, but you can get an ad three version of the pod. If you're an existing Patreon subscriber, paying £3 or £5 a month, and any new Patreon subscribers who go for £3 or £5 a month can also dodge the adverts as well, although I believe there's not enough money in the world to avoid our sponsorship announcements at the start of the pod. But finally, <laughs> Kieran, we're giving some value to our patrons. This pod will always be free to air, but if you want to bung us £3 a month or £5 a month, then you can miss out on the adverts if you so wish. And if you have a question you'd like answered on the show, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com and we can finally doubly underline our confirmation that our next live show will be taking place at Home Park, the home of Plymouth Argyle, of course, on Tuesday the 27th of September. Tickets are now available for the Plymouth Argyle website and they are genuinely selling fast. So get yours soon and we look forward to seeing you there. In the meantime... I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell. 
Well, uh, thank you for everybody at Patreon for continuing to support us. We, we genuinely uh, appreciate it, and, and we, we try to give plenty of value back in terms of the, the content uh, of the show. Um, that's one way of supporting the show. Uh, another way is to give a review using your podcast app. Um, and if you could give us five stars, by all accounts, it, according to Producer Guy, it helps us uh, in terms of our uh, our show averages. It helps us in the charts. And we, we, we're for a niche show. Uh, we, we do pretty well in the charts. Um, and uh, by all accounts, it, it's, it's, the, uh, it's the number of stars that matter, not the comments. So um, you, you could say that you would rather have the show presented by Joanna Lumley and Jimmy Percy of Sham 69. And, and it wouldn't make a blind bit of difference to me or Kevin. Um, and uh, all I can say is that I would, like, I'd rather spend uh, my evening in the company of Joanna Lumley because having spent uh, a couple of evenings at Sham 69 concerts in my youth, uh, I think it's fair to say that the audience there were not angels with dirty faces. Um, it was it was two of the scariest nights of my life, um, and, and I was I'm, I'm just happy that I'm still alive. I can imagine, yeah. Although to be fair, Joanna Lumley and Jimmy Percy could could bond over their respective modelling careers. Jimmy Percy did become the most unlikely male model of his generation. Uh, I never I never quite got there. I, I didn't. I didn't like having beer splashed over me, let alone spit, to be perfectly honest. I was always <laughs> way at the back of those gigs. I like you mosh pitting down the front. Uh, bye, everybody. See you soon. Bye. The I'm for the